this is our first ASMR episode. I'll be joining you today with the cutest, two cutest human beings in the world, and I'm gonna give them the mic now. So, this episode is going to be recorded purely in whisper. So, I'm gonna stop moving. You're disturbing my ASMR session. I love you forever. Bye. That was a kiss. Bosh Bosh with Anita and Sara. This podcast is powered by Foundry, a hybrid progressive art space located in downtown Dubai's Boulevard. It includes exhibition spaces, co-working environment, a creative library, podcast room, and a cafe. Hey, Anita. Hey, Sara. I am really excited. I think we talk about this briefly at the end of the interview with Stavros, who's our guest today. Um, um, But it was a very exciting and inspiring conversation we had. Stavros talked us through his personal journey, but also his journey creating the platforms that he has grown to love and the platforms that, you know, in his words, have grown to merge into him and him into them. Um, platforms such as Tawahadna and FemFest, which is under Tawahadna, but then also his personal practice and how that's evolved in ecosystems like the UAE, but then also an ecosystem like Saudi. I think that's a really special insight that he's brought to the conversation today. Stavros wears so many different hats. Um, he really knows how to protect his work and make sure that it gets the attention it deserves. He's big on social responsibility, pushing artists and creatives to find new ways to interact with their community and develop their work. And listening to him, I want to do more. I want to learn more and I want to collaborate more. So I hope you do too. How's it going? Good. How are you? Uh, tanned and uh, fresh. So yeah, I guess I'm doing a lot better than uh, <laughs> a weekday. You were telling us about the new Rihanna album. <laughs> no, Beyonce, <laughs> but you're so close. <laughs> you were almost there. <laughs> well done. I'm thank so you. proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. T- taking one for the team. <laughs> so um, how's the new Beyonce album? Beyonce album. It's a, it's a challenge <laughs> to say the least, but yeah, I I recommend it for those that are in need of feeling slightly inspired, but not very inspired, mm-hmm. just less inspired, moderately inspired. Moderately inspired. Like inspired. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's a Tuesday, not a Monday, but it's a Tuesday, but it's not a Friday, so don't get like overtly excited. So yeah. Gotcha. The Stavros. <laughs> Where did you grow up? Abu Dhabi. How was that? A choice. <laughs> I wouldn't have made it if I could. Um, Abu Dhabi is interesting. I, uh, growing up there is a lot more uh, special than going back as an adult. I can tell you that for sure. My family's been there for 40 years now. So essentially it's where I should be calling home today. Mm-hmm. But I don't. And it. I think that's a really odd shift or a really odd mindset to be in where you you think cinematically especially where you grow up 
defines where you would call home and where you'd always have somewhere to go back to. But I think having grown up in Abu Dhabi, and I think a lot of people that grew up in Abu Dhabi could say the same thing. It's uh, you make home wherever you want to go. So usually where the people are, right? I mean, no, not necessarily. I generally, it's I don't have an attachment to certain things, places, or people. I have an attachment to my lifestyle in certain spaces. So if my that lifestyle shifts to something I don't appreciate, then I typically tend to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, I never thought I'd call Jeddah home. And I was there for only four months. And I was so comfortable to call it home. And I was like, yeah, cool, I'm here now. <laughs> because I love the lifestyle that I led there. Um, when were you in Jeddah? Uh, Pre-COVID. Uh, four months before COVID. <laughs> and then the day the pandemic was announced as a pandemic and all the flights were getting cancelled, I took the last flight out of Jeddah to Oman. Uh, and I remember my colleagues and I were looking at the board where they announced the flights and all we could see is cancelled, cancelled, cancelled. And we were waiting for our flight to get cancelled and thank, thank whoever that pilot that decided to fly that day <laughs> not to go with the cancelled. Um, so yeah, we made it to Dubai and I got stuck in Dubai. Do you think you would have continued living in Jeddah? Yeah. yeah. That's the very easy yes. Mm-hmm. I think Saudi is uh, a space that definitely shocked me. Um, because essentially, it. there's one thing I can definitely say is that we are clueless until we go. Mm-hmm. About anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Whether it's America or Saudi, I'm, I'm putting them against each other as extremists of the opposite. Uh, I would have thought I would have known more about Saudi's culture or Sa- Saudi Arabia generally as a whole. But uh, it's really strange. It was never part of our conversations growing up, never part of the uh, education system. It's Saudi Arabia was never somewhere we talked about or highlighted as a possible even destination for a weekend getaway. Um, but now I can tell you I would have most definitely settled if uh, the pandemic had never happened. So why did you decide to go before you knew how much you loved it? Uh, this is a funny story. It's, uh, I, was, I had packed my bag to go to Berlin. <laughs> and I had a very different lifestyle coming up. A very different life decision to make. And I was about to let go of the UAE. I was frustrated. I was like, this feels like a routine. I can't be here anymore. I didn't know how far to take it. I, was, I wanted to become a filmmaker and a writer. And all the work that I would do is, was commercial. And I'm a documentary-focused uh, director. And I could not find budget to create anything of my passion or interest. And I was so over creating the same things over and over again. And so I packed my bag and I'm like, I need to go somewhere that is ex- the opposite. And so I decided to go to Berlin. And I'm packing my bag. <laughs> I remember I get a call from my really, really dear, close to my heart friend, Yasmin Rasul. She's founder of Wasta. It's an online platform that supports uh, creatives internationally. Based out of Bahrain. It started off in Bahrain, but it's quite international. Um, uh, but Yasmin calls me and she's in Saudi and she's like, Stavros, I need you. And I'm like... <laughs> don't do this what's funny is the two other jobs i did before (laughs) was the same relevance yes it's been called she's like i need you here and i ended up working in that company because yasmin just had that moment and i'm like don't do this to me i'm on my way to berlin i need my escape 
And uh, she calls, she's like, I need you here. I'm like, Jeddah. I'm like, you're crazy. I've never been Saudi. What am I going to do there? I'm too, I wear earrings. I have tattoos. I, they're not going to let me in the country. Like, I'm going to get to the airport and they're going to ask me, please step aside, go back home. Like, or you're not. <laughs> Basically, I was dressed for Berlin. <laughs> and I remember, uh, I'm like, what am I going to do? She's like, well, I'm working at the Red Sea Film Festival and I need you beside me the second. Um, 48 hours later, I was on a flight to Jeddah. I had repacked my bag from winter clothes. Technically, I had to keep the winter clothes because I had to cover my as much skin as possible because I was so scared about what I was going to experience when I was there. I remember I on my laptop, I had a pride sticker. <laughs> and I was like, what am I going to do? I can't take my laptop like this. Blah, blah. <laughs> and Yasmin uh, was like, stop acting dumb. Just walk through. You're fine. Um, and it turned out to be more than fine. It's, it's insane. It's so beautiful. Um, I was there at a very overwhelming time for work. Um, we were setting up the Red Sea Film Festival. And uh, four days before the festival was supposed to happen, they announced that uh, the pandemic is official. No more events. And we were like in disbelief, complete disbelief. There were people that were working there for like a year before me. And so there were tears in the office. Everyone was like, all the energy spent to build and put together this music, the film festival. Someone just went, oh, can't do it no more. <laughs> so it's uh, pretty crazy. Yeah. Have you experienced anything like that? COVID-wise, I mean, my, my entire master's degree was derailed, but that's okay. <laughs> I think COVID derailed a lot of things, but then again, like, it's, I think it's always these, like, surprises, like, you weren't supposed to be in Jeddah, and then you were in Jeddah, and then you suddenly weren't, and it's a place that you called home, even for a brief amount of time, but those experiences are precious, even though they are fleeting. Um, I'm curious what you call home now, because... Or is it still Jeddah? <laughs> no, it's not Jeddah. Uh, home right now for me is Dubai. Yeah. Um, what makes it, what gives, what's, what about this place gives you the quality of home? What's, I guess my lifestyle, obviously. First thing, I'm, I'm super grateful that I get to call Dubai home because I totally understand how it's so difficult for those that move here to understand how it's home. And it's treated with such a transitional uh energy that people think you're it's designed for you to step in and step out as soon as you're ready mm. um and dubai is generally doing its very best somehow to become home for many but uh, yeah it's uh it's taking a minute um i wouldn't have called dubai home in the past i was studying film here and that's the reason i moved to dubai um and i was studying film and i and in that period where I was studying film, I was confused because I was like, if I'm a filmmaker, how am I going to be creating films that I want to make with all the censorship that exists? And next thing I know is I have learned to love the things that have essentially been forms of censorship. And I was trying to understand and tackle all these censorships and convert them into conversations. So why aren't we talking about these censorships why do they exist is it tradition is it culture is it religion what are we setting our boundaries to and uh, i shot my first documentary uh on maryam zahabi she's a fantastic artist emirati artist and i realized that i found so much more synergy with the way i was brought up the way i spoke about my life the way i spoke about 
art the way I spoke about um, creative movement as she did and being an Emirati herself to find so much synergies with uh, with what I wanted to tackle I guess uh, is what made me realize okay wait there's a there's a whole group of people that find difficulty in censorship and to be able to do it through art and tackle this idea of censorship through art is something that's really interesting. So the same way that happened, I did Tawahadna and I wanted to create documentaries that tackled censorship through their stories. And what was the difference between censorship in Saudi and censorship here? Uh, that's an excellent question that no one seems to ever want to tackle because they just believe censorship in Saudi is you can't do anything. Um and people are afraid of creating because they think they'll tackle it. Censorship in the UAE is blurred. You don't know how long you can go until someone's going to tell you stop. Whereas censorship in Saudi is clear, which means all creatives that are creating in Saudi Arabia that need to tackle censorship put so much more effort into making sure that they do things a lot more creatively in formats of storytelling and, and visually Recognizing that censorship is a barrier that should exist in the creative world if you want to better yourself as a storyteller, better yourself as a... I, the content that comes out of Saudi is insane. It's so beautiful. It's so strong. It's, so, it's, it's genuinely more, a lot more impactful than Dubai's content. And it's unfortunate to say, but it's not about how progressive or how forward-thinking or how... It's, if you are clear with your rules and regulations, then... Yeah when you come up to an artist that wants to create and they have to create within given boundaries, they do their best to tackle as much as what's in their heart to create within those boundaries. Dubai's blurred censorship is just confusing. Yeah. So every artist you meet is always going to go like, Oh, can I do this? Can I do it? Can I, and no artist should be spending a whole lifetime trying to figure out how far they can go. If yeah. you give them, this is, this is what you can and cannot do. And they have to work within these boundaries. They'll they'll excel in their practice a lot more because they they don't need to shift and overthink and go back and forth and try and. That's so interesting. That yeah. actually knowing your limits is what pushes you past them. And yeah, you know, knowing your censorship. Yeah, totally. One hundred percent. Storytelling is so for like storytelling as a whole is a is a whole category that is completely ignored and people don't realize that storytelling doesn't just come in forms of writing. Storytelling is an art form. It's how you create. It's how you, if you are a painter, you also have to be a storyteller. If you're a filmmaker, you are also a storyteller. If you're an illustrator, if you're, a, I don't care if you're a dancer, you're a storyteller. If you are given the boundaries of, of your storytelling censorships that clearly, then you start creating a lot more passionately because you're working exactly within the boundaries of which you are supposed to mm -hmm. and i feel like in dubai we don't know what those boundaries are yeah so there's more fear because you don't know what it is it's not more it's not just fear but it's it's just um you're constantly thinking about things that aren't they're technically arbitrary to your practice yeah yeah so it's a waste of time you, you dilute the work that you're yeah. making because you're just like okay like i can get away with this so you, you do it halfway as opposed to in a place where you have a lot of censorship you kind of dance your way around it and create a way that maybe defies the censorship or yeah totally yeah search for your loopholes yeah exactly if you if you don't know where the loopholes are design them yeah it's really cool and speaking of different modes of storytelling you originally studied architecture, right? Yeah. <laughs> so why? Ask my mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Oh, <laughs> that was so funny. Why? <laughs> um, uh, I didn't dislike architecture. I love architecture. Passionately, I do. I, um, but I, I studied architecture for my family, for my parents, because it was the silver lining between engineering and art. And I was an artist, and they wanted an engineer, and so we're like, oh, let's meet in between. Um, in the UK, I, I mean, I dropped out. I didn't finish it, but it's crazy because I actually still got to design when I moved back to Dubai. And it was very uh, odd moments that I never thought I would be designing. I was at OSN working at uh, Usli Studios, which was supposed to be a distribution and uh, content creation platform for independent content creators and filmmakers. And they shut down the whole department, so all of us were fired within the same day. And I had met Reem Hamid, um, currently the co-founder of Dukan Media, and she's one of the co-hosts on Dukan Show uh, at OSN. She wasn't working with us. She was renting out one of our studio spaces. And I... uh, basically found my community for that moment and I was like this is who I want to be surrounded with and by and I just want to create around them and so I camped out in their offices for three months until they could find me a job and obviously I had worked as a content creator or filmmaker or commercial director but Reem had other visions for me I guess and one day she walks out of her office and I'm playing (laughs) Spider-Man in the living room of this office and she's like Stavros I'm like what (laughs) She's like, would you go back to architecture? I'm like, uh, guess, yeah, anything right now, please. And she's like, okay, cool. We're designing for Levi's. We're designing the booth for Levi's. We need a lead, like a head designer and architect. I'm like, yeah, I'll, of course I'll do it. Next thing I know, I'm designing the booth for Levi's at Sol DXB. And it's a beautiful space. And I took a lot of pride in that project. It was, it was fantastic. And then I started set designing. I got into set designing. And so architecture served me really well. Uh, also, if you guys come over, my house is super fucking beautiful. I see it all the time. Yeah. Like, this is, it's super homey and comfortable. And it's in Satwa. Yeah. So it's so, like, people walk in, they're like, oh. Surprise. Ironic. <laughs> Odd. I think it's interesting that um, you're definitely a creative, right? You're a filmmaker, you're a writer, you're an architect. Yeah. But a lot of... Um, Creatives sometimes get so invested in the creative aspect of the work that they forget how to market themselves. And I feel like you do a really good job with networking and um, knowing how to present yourself best. And you also do that for other artists. And I think that's a huge strength of yours. Thank you. <laughs> so how did you learn this? Like, Because you can't go to school for that. What, did you always have this talent? And um, when did you realize the significance of it? Firstly, thank you. It takes, it takes a lot of energy to... To find securities in a space where you didn't think you could ever like be secure, um, I think it starts with <laughs> being main character <laughs> from day one. Honestly, um, I've always been a performer, and when I was younger, much younger, I thought I was going to become an actor. Uh, I played the piano. I was one of the first male pianists. He plays piano beautifully. Oh like, if you God. haven't <laughs> had a chance to hear it, we should put a clip up on our stories. I don't know. You you probably have uh, content or footage. I grew up as main character. 
of everyone's lives, not just mine. <laughs> uh, from birth, I think I was I was designed to perform, and I my mom was actually sending family videos on the WhatsApp group that are absolutely hilarious. And if you look back uh, now, looking back, I'm like, wow, <laughs> it's it explains so much about who I am today. Yeah. But I'm constantly on a keyboard, singing, performing. And my mother is the Chris Jenner of Chris Jenners. She's sat there with a video VHS, VHS cam, and she's yelling from that. Okay, now hella ganilna, I'm like any any song in Arabic. It's like okay, hella ganilna, and I'm on the keyboard playing the same song over and over again, just singing Arabic lyrics that are different somehow weird. It's, uh, it's like a live jukebox. Basically. <laughs> You shouldn't pay for her, though. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I've always been this person that presented themselves as main character. I wanted to be the... F- I've always wanted a lead in anything in a- and everything. Um, and I've always enjoyed presenting and talking about what I do or what I want to do. And I guess when I got into film, I started understanding more and more the value of becoming a filmmaker in the region. And the biggest question was, why do we not have, or sorry, why are there only four filmmakers that I know by name in this whole country slash region almost? And why, why do I, why can we count them? And then you look out abroad and you're like, there's this person and this person and, and, and there's so much abundance, but for some reason there, uh, the question was, uh, are we lacking talents or are we lacking something else? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, when I got to film school and there was people in my class, I'm like, okay, cool. So there are people studying the subject. There are people working on themselves to become filmmakers and, and people that just want to create. Why isn't no one talking about them? Mm-hmm. And some very talented people. And I realized we are just garbage at marketing ourselves. (laughs) We don't know how to talk about what we do because we get stuck into doing commercial work to survive. And we no longer, we get out of the practice of creating for ourselves. And so something that I always did for myself was if everything that I would, I'm going to give you like a little like life story moment. I was at university. I had graduated university film school and I started working at an art gallery, Showcase Gallery. It's no longer there. And it used to be in Al-Sakal with Sharon Harvey. I saved money for three months. I then shot Tawahadna and then I saved money and then I started shooting again. Everything I would, I was lucky that Sharon would be very comfortable with me taking a couple days for myself to create. Her son was in class with me. And we would create together. And I think that was the the privilege of that. But I would invest anything that I could save back into my storytelling nature. What was my story? What is it that I want to create? And so going back to your question, why or how did I get to become this self-marketeer? <laughs> um, Anytime I had money to invest back into myself, I would. And every time I saved more, I would do more. And I would never, I would, and something else is I would never repeat myself. Um, So I'd always try to create something new and fresh and different. And uh, I never stop working on that. 
and now that I'm I'm lucky I have a stable job, I work at the arts club, plus I have Tawahadna, plus I work with FemFest, or I empower FemFest. I started taking up moderating uh, jobs, like so I moderate talks, and then I, whatever it is, I'm constantly looking for things to excel my creative capabilities in every format, whether it's setting up an event, to uh, doing a talk, to um, marketing an artist, creating, whatever it is. Um, I'm constantly on the search to reinvest into myself and not just in one way, but in every way. And then how do you put it out? That's a great question. You start a platform and you start putting it out, I guess. I don't know. Like this podcast. Yeah. I guess <laughs> you just seem like, like a very, push. you seem like, from what you're describing, you seem like a very yes person. Like you'll try anything. And 100%. You, and I think that that's a really beautiful quality. And I sometimes wonder, because I know how exhausting that can be, because it's always a matter of putting yourself out there. And um, I wonder if there's the flip side to it. Like at what, at what, I know this is a bit of a dark question, but at what expense does that mm. kind of burnout energy? Is, yeah, I do. I do burnout. Um, burnout energy is not something to be proud of. I one hundred and ten percent do not condone to reaching that limit. Um, but you have to work on yourself. Don't don't make excuses before you've tried. Yeah. Um, what are some tips that you've learned over the years to prevent burnout? Go on holiday. <laughs> yeah. Go on holiday wherever your passport can take you. Sometimes you forget how to rest when you're yeah. working all the time. And you go on holiday and you're like, now I'm just going to think of the next project. What's funny is I come up with business ideas every time I go for a <laughs> massage. It's re- I, I'm the worst with massages. I leave and I've written a business plan. <laughs> and people are like, how, why? What are you doing? Counterintuitive. <laughs> yeah, incredibly. So what I would do is I would leave my phone at home. I would do anything to avoid screen time and that's the only way i can like let loose with my thoughts yeah that's my advice is if you can travel put your phone away put your laptop away avoid anything that forces you to look into a screen even even just not watching a movie watching a movie is not to me is not uh relaxation if i'm using my eyes to stimulate anything that is not uh what i don't do then i don't want to be doing it i don't want to watch a movie also i can't watch movies anymore as a regular human being all i after film school all i do is criticize everything so if you hate movies you should come watch them with me because you'll hate them more (laughs) i come out and i just criticize everything it's really bad sabelle hates me shout out to sabelle it's so funny that you presented yourself as like you know, your mom was Kris Jenner and you were like Kim Kardashian when you were little, you know? like I'm not, I'm not Kris. I was hardly Kim. Wait, 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 no. I mean, like, you, you say, like, oh, you were the star of the show. Yeah, I was. But I am. All your work is not was. I show. am the star of the okay, show. Okay. Rephrase. You are, you are the star of the show, but you look for work where you're not the only star of the show. Correct. You look for collaborations. 100%. It's all focused on documentaries about other people. 100%. So were, did you always have that collaborative spirit? I, I do I do love working in teams. I, I, I love collaboration. I love the, the promise of what collaboration offers. I don't know if... Uh, I, I actually started a f- film festival myself post-COVID that never happened and was supposed to be called United 21. And the way it would work is I would pair strangers of different talents with a filmmaker to create a movie together. 
And it was all about the power of storytelling through forms of collaboration. We never launched. Wow. Uh, yeah. Was so that a massage idea? Probably. <laughs> I mean, it was COVID, so no, there was no massages happening then. But uh, yeah, I, I love the power of collaboration. I love the ability to create with people that you never thought you could create with. And I think that's something that's really important and somewhat lacking in communities here. I, I, I'm trying to set up something currently called Make Space Safe Space. And it's about understanding, on, uh, understanding the value of making space for other creatives that you never thought you could collaborate with and creating safe spaces for people to be a lot more uh, comfortable with criticism, comfortable with, with collaborating honestly, where you can actually say this was 100% a collaboration, not someone just jumped on a project for the sake of space. And so safe space makes space. That's, that's a really big project of mine that I am working on. In an interview with Danny Ray for Global Art Daily magazine, uh, you mentioned how the main difference that struck you between the art scene in Jeddah and Dubai was that people there were a lot more collaborative instead of competitive. And Correct. the way you were talk- describing this collaboration was about showing up for one another, and it was mainly about attention. Mm. So what do you think is the role of... Social responsibilities of an artist? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is something that's a, that's constantly on my mind is what are our social responsibilities what are what am i accountable for as well not just other artists and creatives but and how to set an example in that i uh i realized when i was in jeddah if there was an, a gallery opening everyone from every community would show up whether it was makeup artists fashion designers whatever it is everyone would show up if it was the film festival, everyone would show up. And it was for this pure, purely for the sake of, I want to see change, and I'm given an opportunity to create change in a space where people have devalued my creative in, incentive. And so filmmakers would require that support, but you can't just have filmmakers in a room saying, we need support. So everyone from every community would show up for everyone. Um, and I think that's the power of of uh, attention is is what allows people to recognize what is of value to a community you know and how do you think we can make people in dubai pay attention the same way they do in jeddah i think people should just be a lot more attentive to others around them and recognize that they can have interests in other people's works they can celebrate other people's talents they can celebrate and do these things and they don't need to be competition is healthy when a community has been established for much longer than the UAE has. Mm-hmm. The UAE is a baby. Mm-hmm. We are so young. Our, the talent here steps in and out. Every year there's a new person that's arrived to Dubai to, to showcase their skill sets. And they've entered this rat race of competition that no one started. Yeah. Well, what's the point? Mm-hmm. I, I, as a filmmaker, would love if all the filmmakers that told me oh, this is where I, you could have done better. I would love that. But yeah. people don't want to even show up for each other for these things because they... Yeah. And Like, I'm my person. I need to support and focus on me. But it's not about that. It's... Yeah. I think there's something to be said for having that kind of generosity and then seeing that generosity is actually something that 
is mutually beneficial, right? Like one million percent. Showing up isn't just you showing support and making another person feel like their work is appreciated or even seen, um, even if you don't appreciate their work. But also at the end of the day, that you take something away from that experience, be that a negative experience or a positive one. I think that's mm -hmm. what's really cool, and also I really appreciate the way you described. Um, Saudi's ecosystem is super interdisciplinary like having those people who you know by all means should feel like their own practices are tangential or maybe totally irrelevant to what they are attending still feel like that this is something that they want to be a part of I wish there was a lot more of that here and I think Same. it could foster so much really cool you know collaborative collaborative work, work. Yeah, yeah totally and which area or which physical space do you think would be the first in dubai to embrace this new collaborative spirit every every space is designed to serve some type of community whether it's the arts club or Tawahadna or the found foundry or whatever it is people create spaces for certain types of communities um and just because you don't fit into that community doesn't mean you can't support that community you know um first place um i don't want to give anyone any trophies yeah we we don't deserve it i think i'll be very honest tawahadna and femfest is the first of its kind where we've tried to work with every type of talent to try to bring them to the same space and and offer them support in that format uh and i don't see anyone else doing it mm. i've seen it with um the can but then again a lot of places become very repetitive with the talent that they work with. They've, and so, I don't know, actually. I think that's a really tough question and Dubai doesn't deserve a, a shadow. Yeah, yeah, no. Can you unpack that a bit when you said um, <laughs> just because you're not part of a community doesn't mean you can't support it? What totally. Uh, I identify as a cisgender male and I run a company that supports female identifying artists if i want to see change in my community other communities matter too and i don't need to just be solo focused on this one community i am more than capable of supporting you and you and you and you and i swear to god we're all connected <laughs> and if one of us does great the i will somehow come back and do even better And so, yeah, you don't need to fit into a bracket to make a community that then you can only live by. So, yeah, recognize it. If, I've, if I want to see change, I have to go to the source. And Maybe you could talk us through a bit about how Tawahadna and, or at least your experiences of Tawahadna and FemFest have evolved over time as you know they since they've initially started and how i guess like you you've seen the reception to it and what, yeah what that's been like i mean that's a a lot to unload because Tawahadna has taken a journey we started off as a university project and we were a one-off film the um, we shot a documentary on a female identifying artist from let's say marathi then i was like cool We've gotten a lot of like light on this. People love it. No one else is doing it. Let's expand. So I'm like, I wanted to shoot documentaries on female Marathi artists. Great. We did another half episode episode that was never released. And I could not find funding or investors or anything. And I didn't know how to take it. 
And one day my friend Amal Bahlul, founder of Flights Camera Learn, was like, why don't you pitch this to Shira? I'm like, what's Shira? And Shira is this entrepreneurial program that happens in Sharjah run by AUS. And so I go there for a meeting and they're like, uh, I meet with Sally that used to work at Shira. Wonderful, wonderful person. And she says, Savras, you have a business idea. I'm like, but it's a project. And she's like, no, you have a business idea. You just need to understand why it's a business. I'm like, I see. So what do you recommend? And she's like, you should apply for a Shira. It's a seed program. You, we'll mentor you to better understand how your concept is actually a business that could find investors and succeed. So I did the program while I was living in Jeddah. COVID hit and it became my, my COVID project. And, I, and in that period, I uh, won the Shira grant after at the end of my pitch. And I set up Tawahadna, the company. And it was supposed to be a production house, storytelling production house that shot documentaries on female identifying artists from the region. And then we expanded and I launched FemFest under Tawahadna. And FemFest is an audiovisual educational platform slash party <laughs> that supports female identifying artists and uh, by pairing them or visual artists by pairing them with DJs to create cool spaces and safe spaces and I'm like okay sweet so I'm not so married to the idea of making movies I don't need to focus on that I can support a community without making a movie and uh Today, I can tell you that Tohadna relaunches in September as <laughs> um, an emerging freelancer and artist uh, platform that uh, manages and consults uh, these emerging artists and freelancers to better understand what they want to create, how to create, why they want to create, what does it mean to be an artist in this region. We'll be, uh, firstly... Legalizing all forms of transactions for freelancers that are emerging uh, within the creative industries. So, just to get that tension off, we will also be um, finding you the right networks for you to make to find work that suits you best. And then we're going to be introducing workshops where we teach you different things. So, like you mentioned, how to market yourself. Everyone that creates needs to, needs to know now how to market themselves, especially if they want to become freelancers. How do you market yourself? How to manage yourself? How to manage your finances? Um, and most importantly, how do I make money doing certain um, uh, practices? Ideally, I want to start an educational... I want to start an institution that supports the industry by offering free workshops to uh, uh, 16-year-olds and under to attend, answering one question to each department, which is, how do I make money as a filmmaker in the UAE? How do I make money as a music producer in the UAE? How do I make money as a graphic designer in the UAE? All about the world of freelance and why it's important for me to know as a young person is, how can I make a living out of this? And I think that's something that's not, not spoken about or talked about whatsoever. And uh, I'd like my dream, my I, my goal is that Tawahana becomes an institution of uh, creative change, teaching people at birth how to become freelancers. <laughs> that's, wow. so, yeah. oh, that's so 
exciting. I want to... Find me an investor! <laughs> I want to sign up. Like, I literally... You're like... Uh, you're like... Uh, do you guys take curators? Like, what's... What's the... What's the limit? What's the but process? It's super cool. Yeah, no. It's super, it sounds super, super cool. And it really sounds like it, it took, like it living all these different lives for you to find what was the most like the key kernel of it that was the most exciting to you and that's totally. what's really cool i think more and more i form into tawahana which is crazy or tawahana forms into me i thought i had to be an architect i left i became a filmmaker i left film i became an event player i, I left events i went into programming I left that went back to i don't know what and so tawahana took the same journey it took six years but i think it's doing the process it's offering is allowing people to understand how to become the best versions of themselves in the creative industries and to offer people uh, or shed light on the power of freelance. That's it. It's uh, That was it. So, yeah. A lot of people talk about institutions and what they should do more of and criticizing institutions, but I think it's really cool that you focus on what we can do as well, what our power is, how totally. we can educate ourselves um, and protect ourselves as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Wow. Thanks. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it hasn't been announced because so I ain't. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I'm still developing the, the concept and, the, mm-hmm. and, and how I want to do it. I, I'm still looking for investors, but that's I cool. believe in the power of manifestation. And if I put it out in the right mm-hmm. spaces... then i hope that that comes through okay i have one last question yeah go for it what is your favorite thing about film Mm, the ability to tell stories about anything and everything from your perspective so i guess it's i can put anyone in my mindset in that moment and have them see what i see is there one film that you would say like gave you this feeling more than anything else. Hmm. It doesn't have to be your favorite film. No, look, there's there are several films that I absolutely love, uh, but when it comes down to documentaries, it, them, that's also really it's really difficult. And every year we come out with new towns and films that are insane, like Setamut Flashreen by Amjad Abu Alala, Sudanese filmmaker, fantastic film. Um, obviously Nadine Labake, anything she touches is gold um, Dani Abder Warsha Warsha actually is the first short film that I have cried watching probably and every time I watch it I cry and it's crazy uh, so perhaps Warsha mm. right, Warsha today I can tell you has definitely touched my heart to make me re- and made me recognize the power of filmmaking and storytelling future or change the past change the past no flinching yeah do you have something in mind that was quick i i think if i could change my past i would have reassured my future and i'm not afraid about tomorrow mm-hmm. at all i don't care whatever challenge even my diwa bills i don't care about them <laughs> <laughs> misunderstood after death or forgotten after death misunderstood i'd rather be misunderstood i think an artist is born as an activist 
And so essentially you're always going to have people misunderstand you. So. Telekinesis or telepathy? Mm, telekinesis. All the vacations you could go yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> Would you rather be 11 feet or 9 inches tall? 11 feet. I want, I'd rather be taller, not shorter. 11 feet like 3 meters. 3.3 meters. Also, who, who decided these... <laughs> No, I'd rather be 11 feet. Yeah? Yeah. I don't know. Think about it, Stavros. It's an important question. <laughs> Why is this going to decide to Ahadna's... Uh, Maybe. I'd rather be taller, not shorter. Mm-hmm. Main character. I want to... Uh, yeah. This is my main character energy peeking through. Amazing. Stavros, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. See you later. I appreciate you. My whole heart. I appreciate you. <laughs>